What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. It's the post-match in the Denby once again. Everton have finally got a victory. Fifth win of the season so far in 27 games. Um, long time coming. I've got Matt, Ed, Laura and Keith with me. Um, start with you, Keith. As soon as I come in here, I looked at you and there was still a lot of nerves in your face. I started talking about us making our way to the heights of 15 in the table. You told me to shut up straight away. Um, what are your feelings after that, mate? Did you feel nervous throughout it all? And pretty much a stupid question when we've only won it 1-0. But performance-wise, how did you rate it? I think we have to qualify the 15th position with the fact that we're currently two points short of 12, but we're only two points clear of 19. So I'm not getting ahead of myself yet. I thought first half they were very, very good. They controlled the game. They controlled the tempo of the game. They gave Brentford very little in that first half. After half-time, though, I don't know. It was like, I said to I said to Adam Jones at half-time, I seen him at half-time, I said, there's no way Brentford come out after the half-time and play as badly as they've just done. And we, I was proved right there because they were a much better side. They picked up their tempo. They... Uh, they moved the ball a lot quicker and I think we struggled at times to get close to them and close them down. The back four, I think, played really well. I think they contained everything that came forward. Obviously, you're going to have a couple of chances against you and we rolled our luck a little bit. One cleared off the line, a couple of shots just wide. But it was a nervous... Uh, you could tell Goodison was nervous, couldn't you? There was that edgy... Anytime somebody lost the ball second half, but I think on the balance of play, Everton deserved to win it. I would say we were the better side overall, but it was very much a game of two halves, and I'd rather they played like the first half than the second half going forward. I, I come away from that thinking that it felt a very old school Everton Goodison as well, um, particularly in the past when we've been so dangerously close to the relegation zone, Laura. Um, the lineup as well. I'm, I think I'm feeling a lot more comfortable having Damari Gray starting as our striker. I mean, I, I looked at this pre-match building up to this. I thought Calvert Lewin's finally going to be fit. Seeing media-wise, he was going to. Seeing the lineup, I thought he's not even on the bench. How did you feel when you saw that that lineup? Because what we did against Forest, there was a lot of positivity. Yeah, I mean, I was at Forest last week, and I have to say, like, it felt like two points lost last week. And, you know, if I had a choice, I would have stuck with, with that same lineup as they sort of did today. Um, as you say with Damari Gray, I think he does add a lot of energy up there. Um, you know, we, we are slim for options up there, and we've just got to make do with what we have got. Uh, while Carver-Lewin's not in the squad, I was a bit like you. I, di I didn't know whether he would be in, in the squad today. I mean, I would have been delighted, delighted if he was, but... You know, I think probably doing the right thing, not rushing him back yeah. as much as we want him to. You know, is he going to come in straight away and, and provide loads of different ans answers to what, what we need? I mean, maybe with the balls we're sort of putting in the box now with 
with Dwight McNeil, um, who, by the way, had a cracking game today. Again, um, I think he's really grown in confidence since since Dice has come in, which is great, obviously. Um, but scoring inside like 50 seconds, Jesus Christ, I feel like I've aged about 20 years. <laughs> 20 years from that game today. Um, but yeah, just um, Damari Gray by the end. I think those those substitutions needed to come in sooner. Um, I think it's something we do need to need to get used to. I think it was Mick Greeno before on Twitter said I'd been trying to get myself ready for the fact that he doesn't make substitutions earlier on. He does leave it to the latter stages of the game. And you know, earlier I'm thinking, me just make some changes. But then you look at the bench and you kind of think, who have we got that realistically that's going to bring in energy off the bench? And you, you know, you're looking at Neil Morpay. Who he did, he, you know, he'll run around like a little Jack Russell, but you know he's not offering offering a lot up there at the moment, is he? So I suppose if you are dice, you're sort of thinking, what real, realistically, what subs do I make that massively impact yeah. the game? Because we were all absolutely legged by the 65th minute, I reckon 70th minute, especially. Like I think Decore, he, he had a cracking game as well. He ran his legs off today. A sort of assist as well. Yeah, God. So, sort of. To you now, Ed. Um, that goal from McNeil. He scored a goal that early in the game. So to, it determines what the rest of it you're going to see throughout that. And I, I felt watching it that I felt a lot more calmer than I thought I ever would when you've got one nil up in a game. Um, but what Laura said there about McNeil, I think it, I'm starting to get a little bit more confident in him as way as he is himself because I don't know if you saw it against the, in the Forest game. I think we want a corner or something, he goes over there and he starts putting his fist up to the fans and all that. Any time I've ever seen him before, particularly when he was at Burnley, when I watched him, he seemed quite shy. Seeing him do those sort of things and the way we respond to that when he's doing that sort of thing makes you feel a little bit better when he started. And today, that goal, when he scores a strike like that, he's starting to repay a bit of that 20 million quid we just threw at them for nothing. Definitely. Uh, I think, first of all, I believe the assist has been credited to Ducore, but I would like to give the assist to the Siren. <laughs> back with the bag. That was superb. Uh, but you, you can see that Sean Dyche has got to use whatever part he's got available to him. Uh, we don't have superstars, and we are relying on players who can combine graft with a little bit of something special if they've got it. And Dwight McNeil does have those things. He was very, very low in confidence first half of the season. He'd come off a, a really bad season with Burnley, where he struggled to score, struggled to assist. And things didn't quite go his way. And, and I think as fans, we did get on his back a little bit. Uh, but we're in a position now where we have no choice but to support everyone we have. We don't have a big squad. So every player who takes part needs to be given that backing. And the manager's evidently doing that. And McNeil gave everything today, absolutely everything. You could see at the end he was struggling to move, but he was still moving. And, and that's the sort of performance that we need to survive. And you saw it for a few today. I think Gray in particular as well. Gray, Decore, you could tell they had given every drop they had. Uh, and, and that's the first thing you need to win, especially when you're playing sides that are superior footballing teams. There's no doubt Brentford are a better footballing team than Everton. It's just an absolute no-brainer. But we won the game today because of that effort, that ability to put our bodies on the line. And ultimately, we defended a lead for 95 minutes. That's incredible. 
for any team, let alone a side like ours that has struggled to do that. So kudos to the players. I think McNeil was my man for match today. Just to jump ahead on what you've said there about playing against the side for 95 minutes and keeping a clean sheet. Well, the side of it is looking at the opponents because I'm pretty much obsessed for Brentford since obviously we were coming up to playing them. We've lost four games, four games all season before they come to Goodison. That is quite ridiculous when we're sitting here watching Manchester City now, who've lost the same amount of games as them, and they're second in the Premier League, potentially going to win the Premier League. I, I love Thomas Frank as well. I, at the time before we got Dyson, I thought I'd have this fellow as our manager straight away. We owe ourselves more credit, even than what we've spoken about here, that we've done a side like that, also to nail a home, don't we, Matt? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I was speaking to... Uh, I say a good friend of ours with very large hands yesterday, and he was like, oh, you know, he's like, mm, you know, they're a very good side, Brentford. They're a very good side, and I said, we're somewhere Arsenal, literally yeah. top of the league, and we did them one 0 and got Why can't we do the same? I just wish we put the best on. But yeah, 95 minutes, and granted, it did help us that in the first half they weren't in the races at all, so they they didn't get right on us straight away. We weren't under pressure until really the second half. And then we basically got away with murder, I think. Like, that, that's not like a criticism of our team so much, but they had a couple of very good chances, good free headers. Even the goalie had a free header at one goalie point. Goalie had the best chance of the game. And it was like, it was something supernatural. Like, <laughs> it just wouldn't go in for them. But no one was next to that keeper as well. That's the one thing no. I was looking at, worrying about it, thinking, hang on, Michael Keane's done all right here. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm ready to give him like a seven or eight out of ten. Uh, see that they, they keep us got like five yards around and no one's there yeah. and just slices his head wide and I've not delved into the stats yet but I reckon at least three of our players must have won over ten headers today like just every every single ball that went in it always makes you ask why Brentford persisted with it to be honest because every time they played it on the deck through us we were just letting them do it yeah. and that's when you know the hair starts to go really great but then they just reverse it back to crossing it and in terms of the game management, I've just, I've just got to give a shout out to that last five minutes, that injury time. The ball must have spent more time in injury time in their 18-yard box than anywhere else on the pitch. Yeah. Like, I've, even like that, that was like a throwback to the United and Chelsea games at the end of last season when the Charleston, you know, GBNF um, was uh, just generating throw-ins in front of the Gladys Street and just he had that um, Wambasaka on strings. It was like that again, yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah. pinning them back in the box. And again, I asked the question, why did they persist with it? If they just hoofed it up, they might have gone through us, but instead they're playing out from the back. Their goalie was a bit bit of a shock today, to be honest, yeah, in terms yeah. of distribution in that. He had about five touches every time he got the ball, just allowed Gray and then Mope when he came on to step up, chase him down, move him side to side. Just very, very professional. And shout out Tom Davis as well, coming on. Everyone's knackered. We need the fresh legs. It's a it's a thankless task asking him to just come on for ten minutes to see our game. But he did it very well. Like he he wasn't so much an engine because he only had ten minutes, but he was like an afterburner. He was just a little bit of boost just to get us over the line. And ooh, I did say four 0 before kick off, but I'll take one. Yeah, it's a good point that about Tom Davis. I'm ready to slag him off every time you see the board that he's coming on, but. It felt to me, looking at a lot of those players today, sort of a match for a few misfits that we've got because Michael Keane's been with us for seven years now and I think that's fucking remarkable that we've still got a player like that. You know, 
when, when you've still got him putting in a performance against us uh, sorry for us they've got Ben Mee at the other end of it it's like Dice playing with all his players on the pitch there um, defensively I mean anytime I see the team when he's in it I'm sitting, sitting there shaking my head thinking we've still got loads of fucking central defenders there but lo and behold I'm sat here we've won 1-0 and I'm willing to give Michael Keane a lot of credit for how we played today I mean on Tom Davis I thought he was very good when he came on I don't think he missed a single tackle which is what he was sent on to do was basically shore up the midfield because at that stage they were just walking through our midfield time and time again you could see Onana wasn't on his game today you could Idrissa Gay had a very good game he, I thought he was immense I thought he's probably our best player today but he was getting tired and you needed just a set of legs in there to close down stop the easy pass make them try and force it rather than just walk through us and I think he did that very well he tracked back brilliantly and there was one occasion where he won the ball and then brought it out from the back and bought a clever foul and it just it slowed the whole game down brilliantly and it was exactly what we needed at the time say what you like about Tom Davis he's a clever footballer he understands the game he understands the game situation he might not be the most talented footballer he might not get you like goals and assists and whatnot, but you can throw him in there and he will throw himself into tackles and win the ball time and time again and that's exactly what we needed today and that's what he delivered so full credit to him um who else did we mention there? Of like, Michael, I'm dying to talk about Michael Keane. For God knows why. Like. <laughs> I thought, funnily enough, I thought when Everton were good first half, Michael Keane was shite. Because he... <laughs> the the way, exact opposite the other way around. There was at least four occasions where he came out to win the ball and ran right past it. Or Ivan Tory bullied him off it. And... I was just thinking, oh God, this is vintage Michael Keane. And then second half, when Everton was shy and completely under the cosh, Michael Keane was an absolute colossus. He won every single header. He won his tackles. He got his body on the line. Um, was it him that cleared it off the line or was it Ben Godfrey? I can't, I'm not sure. Was it McNeil, wasn't it? It was McNeil at the end, yeah. So neither. So neither, well. You say clear off the line. It was, it was, it was, so was on the line. It was on the line. Yeah, it was on the line, yeah. An amalgamation of the two then. Let, if, you put, if you put Ben Godfrey and Michael Keane through the fly machine, you'd get Michelenko. So... It was McNeil. Well, you get McNeil as well. Chop. <laughs> right, I'm losing track of all these M's and mix and whatnot. Yeah. Um, at that stage... I was frantically hanging off the back of the old lady in front of me, begging for the full-time whistle. So, forgive me my um, confusion between names. I thought Michael Keane had a very good second half. I thought Tarkovsky played very well today. I thought he, he, he led the line well. He marshaled things at the back. And he put in an absolute monster of a Tarkovsky tackle, which my good friend Laura beside me really enjoys. So, she'll be thinking about that one for the rest of today, I would imagine. 
steady on like I'm in public, but yeah, I think <laughs> <laughs> just need to. <laughs> well, no one can hear us. I can barely hear you, but you know. Just need to calm down a little bit. Then after Keith reminded me of that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Tarkovsky had a great game today. Yeah. He's even putting in some little turns there as well. I didn't realise he had it in him. I thought he was just a big brick shit house to be honest but I'm going to be kind to Michael Keane and I'm going to say you know we had a good game pretty inoffensive he's not made a, he's not really made any mistakes or anything Brentford you know they, they were pretty poor today um, you know for me I was not expecting much from I think you know going into every game every week at the moment I just don't go in expecting much because I don't want to end up disappointed but uh, yeah Tarkovsky thought Coleman as well Coleman again had another good game um, he gets a lot of stick wrong, wrongly in my opinion on, on social media you know, he always puts a shift in um, he put in a tackle was that in extra time that tackle he put in today yeah, yeah I thought that when was he, a, when he's giving yeah, it yeah, yeah he was yeah, giving yeah. it loads because you know you can see not what, what that means to him he knows that tackle there is so vital and it's at a pivotal moment as well because all it would take then is what you know they're through there anything can happen they'd already had a few close calls um yeah, just <laughs> got the names mixed up now with Keith going on about <laughs> McNeil, Michalenko, Godfrey. How do you even get Godfrey confused with any of them? I thought Godfrey did all right today. I think he he had a few, he was it, positioning was probably a little bit off at times, but we'll so think you're it. asking him to play. I suppose you can give him an excuse for that. Yeah, I suppose so. I think you know maybe you know a few years ago now we we're probably thinking you know he was a great great signing, but just not fully fully convinced on him at the moment but I, I'm, I'm willing to give him time I don't want to make any sort of rash decisions as you say in the positions you're sort of playing him in um, but yeah I'm just to be honest I don't know why we're trying to talk down Everton today and their performance because we should be absolutely buzzing with three points there they're not an easy team to play against and we they looked crap today yeah. they played the way they were playing out from the back and we were putting them under pressure all the time um, especially from Decore and um, Gray as well so yeah I think you know be happy with the three points and, and move on Laura's beat me to the punch slightly there <laughs> I did want to come back and touch on Seamus Coleman there yeah, yeah, yeah. because he was, he was absolutely <laughs> immense today I think that's one of the best games he's had for Everton genuinely and he gets a lot of stick and a lot of, like yeah, a lot of people, including myself, have said we need to move on from him now. But I would say legitimately he's a, con- he's a contender for Everton's player of the season this year because he's come in after uh, Nathan Patterson got injured and he has led the team like a captain should and he shows up every week and he might not have the legs he once had. He might not get as forward as often as he once did, but you can tell the the commitment to the team, the willingness to put his body on the line for the team is still there in droves. And he sets an example for the rest of that back four time and time again. Is that where Dice is the type of manager he's going to want at this stage of his career? Somebody who just grafts. You're not asked about getting him forward and whipping crosses in. Which he was never really good at anyway, it wasn't his main attribute. For him to go and do what he did today, that's that's to a T what Sean Dice wants from his team that you've ever seen really. I, I think I think you're spot on there to be fair. I think Dice is a perfect manager for him because he's at that stage of his career now where he's gonna be a defensive fullback and Dice loves 
a back four that can defend. And Coleman has, like, since Dice has come in, Coleman has been probably our standout player out of them all. And speaking about since Dice has come in and players that have stepped up, I'm going to set up the set up the uh, the mantle now for someone else to take over and talk about how good Abdullah Dukure has been since Dice has come in as manager. I was just going to say on, on the Seamus Coleman topic, because as you all know, I can go on about that for hours and days and weeks. Um, I think like the turning point for me I'd noticed on social media with him was Arsenal at home, because pre-game, so many people were slagging him off and how's he going to deal with Martinelli, and he handled him perfectly. And then I think since then, so many people have just shut up. Because of disrespect that day, like it's unbelievable, and I'm very happy for him. <laughs> um, uh, coming to you there about what, what I just mentioned there about uh, Dice. When we when we initially got him in, which obviously last month now, month before, whenever, um, I was really, I, I didn't know what to think of him coming in, given the squad we had. A match like today, a performance like today against the team like today. There's very rare manager I think could come in and put in a performance like that that'd be akin to what we've seen at Goodison, like I explained at the start, where we're in the shit, basically. He's the type of manager that we'll find and give it to players. There you go, there, the picture, Lord, let's just put up there. We'll put that on the podcast, take a look at it when it's on Twitter. Um, make sure you save that, Laura. <laughs> um, yeah, when, when you've got a squad that's, that ours is, which is, keep on saying the word misfits. Because you look at that squad and you start thinking about various managers. We've had loads of them in the last few years. We've still got players that have been through them all. We've got players that people have brought in individually. You look at that squad and you think, how the fuck is this going to come together? Performance like today where you go and get a scrappy 1-0 win. I'd have thought Everton weren't capable of that. I think the most apt way to describe Sean Dyche is he's not the manager we want, he's the manager we need. And I think that's true of many of the players who have performed really well. Your Coleman's, your Duflores, to an extent Idrissa Gay as well. Players who an aspirational side would not want, a side competing for Europe or whatever, would not want. But a team that needs to scrap and fight and win under any circumstances, we've got the manager and the players who can achieve that. And I think Frank Lampard, I guess as much as he somewhat saved Everton last season, was not going to be able to do that job again. So we are as equipped as we can be to survive now. Uh, I think we've, we've said to death about how we've been let down by the lack of signings and lack of reinforcement. We, we know that situation. So all we can do now is deal with the players we've got. And I think, personally, I was getting very tetchy at the lack of substitutions, but Deitch had the idea of what he wanted to do. He felt that the units staying together might be better for their cohesion, and it worked. And when things work, you can't really question it too much. You know, three points on four. Um, I, I think it's interesting to see how he takes on the next games now. Chelsea, Spurs, Manchester United. Games we're not expected to really win at all. You know, a couple of them away as well. We still need to fight for those points as we have done today. So how is he going to go about doing it? I think that's the, the question that's going to be asked now. But 
I think he's earned our trust and our respect for what he's trying to do. And to, to overcome a, a very talented Brentford side who were able to throw on game-changing players one after the other today. I can only be pleased, especially with a clean sheet on top after Cherry. So I, I've got faith in Sean Dyche and you just wonder how many more of those wins we need because hopefully it's not too many. But I, I really do feel like we can do it. That's, that's a lovely change from where we were six, eight weeks ago. We can do it. And that's what he brought to us, I believe. We can do it. We will do it. I feel now exactly how I felt this stage last season. Everyone around me is like, oh no, we're gone, we're gone, we're gone. I just don't get that feeling. I just don't. Like, I've used the word blunder. We're going to blunder our way to safety. But I think we're going to get there. To have that feel, I know almost like a natural feeling you've got to what you just reflected on last season from what you've seen from under Dyson we've had him does that give you more confidence that that's going to happen yeah yeah absolutely yeah like I, I said after the Arsenal game like the fact that he could do that in such a short amount of time I mean I'll be the first to admit I didn't I wasn't enamoured with him I, you know I wasn't I was very down on the idea of appointing him but if that man can bring Dwight McNeil back from the dead, resurrect after like the Corey's career, and somehow make a lone striker of Damari Gray, <laughs> who's the shortest outfield footballer, shortest outfield footballer, shortest, wasn't a regular starter, shortest either. footballer yeah. in the league. Like after you know, very sort of public back and forth about how he selected McNeil over him because McNeil gets back a bit more. Like the exact polar opposite of what we heard about Lampard's man management style, which was. I picked the team, don't question me. He's given him feedback, you know, he's coached him on the training pitch, and somehow he's thrown him out there as a low striker when it, we haven't got anyone well. We got Malpe, we got Sims, but it wasn't working. And it's just it's it's incredible that it just it seems to actually work. It's bizarre. Maybe it just baffles defenders. Yeah. Like it's like, like starting him up front by himself. So you think, well, I should mark him. I should mark the own striker, but do we need to? Yeah. And it's it's like it's not so much finding space, but he's he's helping, especially uh, the Corey and the Bobby. He's helping them sort of buzz around him, and he's just like an anchor point just for them to focus on. It's I, I, I don't think we're giving him enough credit. I, I was glad he got his little ovation as he came off as well. Um, like the fact that we haven't got much of a deep bench. We don't seem to have had that recently, you know, that little traditional last five minutes, bring off the best player on the pitch to get a standard <laughs> ovation. Yeah. Like, yeah. we haven't really had the personnel to actually do that, mainly because we've been chasing games. So hopefully that comes back, and it was, it's nice to get that recognition. And I would have given Dwight McNeil a standard ovation as well. Like, hopefully those times will come back with a few more signings in the summer, and we can, you know, give these guys the, the big lift that they deserve yeah. after a good performance like that. It's interesting and bad there talking about the summer, things going forward. It's actually really refreshing to hear that and yet we will stay up. That sort of attitude is something that I've never had in my life for quite some time to be honest with you. Um, a lot of what we spoke about here, go back to you idea with this, is there's a, there's a pragmatism approach and dice that I didn't think he was capable of. I think all of us at some point have said, oh I didn't know I was a bit lukewarm about him coming to us as our manager. You mentioned how positive he was when he came in today and what he did against Arsenal and all that sort of thing. But like Matt says there, we're starting Gray up front. Look at him coming in from Burnley and I start to think about, 
Well, maybe it was just because purely the squad he had at Burnley, he wasn't really able to be the way he is now at Everton. He'd been able to look at a different approach to things, things that we would consider ourselves. I think it's actually interesting that when he's come in, we've looked at our team and thought, right, he's going 4-5-1, but he's going 5-4-1. Um, and we've only got certain players you can play, i.e. the things everyone's saying about Calvert-Lewin. But Gray up front, and I'm looking, I'm thinking, where has that come from, like Matt was saying then? I think one of the great things about Sean Dyche that I've come to appreciate a lot more as I've got to know him better is he has a really sort of business-focused mindset. And he's mentioned this before, how he, he takes on feedback, he learns, he adapts, he's not stuck in his ways. And, and that's one of the things that's really helped him here because it's been a masterstroke putting Ducore in that number 10 wildcard role because he has got in-between midfield defence. He's made those runs, he's got the ball, and when he's been needed, he's got back because he's got the energy. And little, little things like that, and like trying Gray as the striker to sort of distract and um, detract defenders, it's worked really, really well for him. And, and he just feels like a manager who will maybe fail at times, but learn from it. He won't be stubborn. Uh, and I think that ultimately will be to Everton's benefit. Um, and I think this is the approach we need because I think as we've, we've talked about a lot now we don't have the sort of squad that we need we have some players who absolutely should not be in a bottom five Premier League side and we've got some players who are lucky to be in a bottom five Premier League side and between all of those things he's got to try and put together a team that, that wins games that stays in this division I, I'm not sure I'm as positive as Matt I, I really do think, think we've got a great chance, but there's a long way to go. If and when we survive, <laughs> if and or when we survive, there's obviously a lot of work to do, and I, I can only hope that Dice gets the backing to actually do something about it. But you start to get the feeling that from this sort of disjointed nonsense we've had before, there might actually be some sort of approach focused on what does this team need what can we do next because that's what Dice has done he, he came to a relegation threatened side and he went we've got to focus on the basics defend your box don't be loose keep it tight when we're off the ball nice and simple little simple things for players to understand as and when we can be more progressive when we've got the players to do so I'm sure he'll be able to do that because he's learning but for now He's doing the things that we need to live, to stay afloat in the Premier League, which we absolutely need above all else. So I, I am, I'm pretty happy with the way Dyche has performed, and I think the, the form table since he turned up, we're in the European spot, so to speak, uh, top six, top seven, something like that. That is a mark of how he's done. Yes, most of the points have come at home, but so be it. When you're in the position we're in now, all points are gold, and he is delivering. Going back to these two still dro dro uh, drooling over, Seamus <laughs> Coleman and Tarkovsky and McNeil, whoever it was who cleaned the ball, who cleared the ball off the line. Um, Want to finish with you two joint partnership, but it's quickly become on this podcast. I wish we were filming this and not just recording it. By the way, um, I was just talking to the lads. That I put you in pairs today. Uh, about the, the pragmatism that Dice has shown that I never thought I'd seen it coming. Um, looking at what we've got left, I think we've got three home games left. 
you look where we've got to away. Is it five? How many we got left? I think I'll tell five. you now because I've sent this message earlier. I really should know this. You've been looking at it every night and gone to sleep crying. So. In the fetal position, rocking. <laughs> <laughs> at least you don't live with an Arsenal fan. Uh, Home games remaining: Spurs, Fulham. Newcastle, City, Bournemouth. That's violent. Oh, I, I think that's a horrible. Away games remaining. This is what worries me. Yeah. Chelsea, United, Palace, Leicester, Brighton, and Wolves. So out with that, you think we have to get positive results against Spurs, Fulham, Newcastle, and Bournemouth, and we have to get positive results against Palace, Leicester, and Wolves. If we do that. That should be enough to stay up. What are we counting as a positive result? How many points is that? Say four wins, say 12 more points. What are we on now? 25. So if we take out of that, if we take four wins and three draws out of that, that's another 15 points. That takes us to 40. 40 is going to be more than enough when you look at that total down there now. I was going to say, like, it's an absolute cesspit down the bottom half of the table. Like, I, I don't even know if you'll need necessarily 40. It's just insane, isn't it? I think it's easier said than done looking at those fixtures and being like, yeah, we need X amount of points. I don't even want to look at the whole running. I just want to take it game by game because looking at it all laid out, looking at it all laid out like that has just given me, I just feel like I'm going to shit myself, to be honest. It's a bit scary, isn't it? But I think if we, if we, you know, if we win the majority of the home games, pick up a couple of draws away, then you know we surely should be able to do enough. But I hate this. I hate this feeling of looking at the teams around us every week, who they're playing, and wanting them to get a negative result. And then you look at today, and obviously like Liverpool playing away at Bournemouth, and you you you're honestly thinking surely they are not going to lose there. And then obviously the inevitable happens, and you think Jesus Christ, can't even, can't catch a break, can you with with that lot? Um, so I think it's it's gonna. End. I, I hope we don't have to rely on teams around us because it's just gonna send me ill. No one's gonna trust you. I think Les Roberts put it in the group before. Then he said, "There's not the one and only time you need Liverpool to do something for you. It's when they fuck up." Um, we'll leave it there, guys. But finally, decent home results. I know we've had Arsenal already under Sean Dice. We feel more confident when we go away from home. Away from home still worries me because yeah. it's ever away from home. The way we've got to look at the end of this season, and like you touched on there with the pragmatism, is how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Yeah. Right? We take it week by week, we get the results where we can, and we hope for results around us. It's very much in the balance, but they've shown today against the side that are unbeaten in 12 and haven't lost in the calendar year, that they can win difficult games. So there's no reason Everton can't stay up. They've got it in their own hands. And that's what that's all you gotta take. That's all you gotta take from it. Hope for the best, prepare for the worst. Up the fucking toffees. Not much left to say after that. Thanks for listening to the post-match after Everton won, Brentford nil. Obviously with the Blue Room, we're back with much more this week coming. And yeah, like Keith says, up the fucking toffees. Sports Social Podcast Network.